Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach at SumatiSparks.com. And today I'm really excited to have on my show a wonderful creative person named Rachel Ricard. And Rachel is passionate about relating and loving in alternative ways and helping people find and live their truth for the way they want to love and be loved. Rachel was featured on Showtime's hit docuseries, polyamory married and dating rachel travels the world facilitating and hosting workshops retreats and festivals with her partner through their business embodied intimacy welcome to the show rachel hi sumati thank you so much for having me on today you're welcome so before we get into the main reason why i asked you to be on i want to find out a little bit more about you personally so can you tell us your story a little bit about how you became non-monogamous or what labels do you use? Great. It's a, it's a, it's a really fun story that I love to tell. I, um, I went back to school to get my master's to be a sex therapist. And through the process of the major overhaul of your own psychology that is going back to be a therapist, I um, went through some human sexuality classes and I went through a phase where I really needed to own my attraction to women. And through this ownership and this newfound um, like liberation, I'll call it, of, of publicly coming out, um, I, I came out very strongly and I came out as a lesbian. And this, this lesbian, Was, it, was a, it was a phase I really needed to go through, um, and what happened was I, um, I had an ex-boyfriend come in town about a year into my, my um, term as a lesbian, we'll all say, and I realized I wasn't a lesbian. I realized when my ex-boyfriend came in town that I was still attracted to men, and specifically him, and so I am still attracted to men and women. And in that, what happened was a lot of the lesbian community that I had come into um, was really threatened by coming out as a bisexual. And so I went through a big process of not knowing where I belonged. Um, I, I was dating a woman. I was a lesbian. But if I was dating a man, I was straight. And I didn't really identify with either of those titles. I was really, really confident in my bisexuality. So really shortly around that time, a friend mentioned to me, do you know there's this thing called polyamory and you can be with multiple people at the same time? And it was like, like the heavens shone down and there was, there was a way for me. And so I started researching everything I could about polyamory and looking for a community near where I lived. Um, and it was really difficult for me at that time because there wasn't so much out there. 
so the beginning of my polyamorous um, lifestyle change looked like me trying to convert a lot of my monogamous friends and telling them there's this thing we can do and it's so amazing and um, and it turned out I really needed a community so I um, I went on the search for a community and um, at that time I was a polyamorous activist for polyamory um, since then I've transitioned and now I mostly use the term I'm open or in an open relationship because mm-hmm. um, for me polyamory mm, saying the word polyamory means I like to me it means I actively have more than one relationship right now and that's not always true sometimes I have more than one relationship sometimes I'm in just one relationship with my partner and we have lovers but I just like the term open it felt more free to me and not uh, not like another box that I was just fitting in so I, I use open got it Okay, great. Thank you so much for sharing about that, Rachel. And right now, your is your business partner also your life partner? That's correct. Yes. Uh huh. And and what kind of relationship do you guys have? <laughs> we have an open relationship <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, where we're do you, do we're you primary. Con- okay, so you do use the term primary. You consider yourselves primary partners. That's correct. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yes, there's this whole movement of, you know, relationship anarchy or free agency where people don't have a hierarchy. Um, and there's just so many different ways to do non-monogamy. So that's what I thought would be such an interesting topic um, to have you on the show. So let's let's go into talking about your video. Yeah, yeah. I'll, so, if I can, I'll say one more more thing on that too, which is which is just that, Mm, there are so many different ways of doing non-monogamy. And for me, what has really worked, like, like it would be really hard for me to go from the paradigm of monogamy right into relationship anarchy. I, I love relationship anarchy. And I really, I wish I was there now. And unfortunately, I'm not. But what has really worked for me is taking st- little stepping stones along the way as I'm opening up and becoming more secure in my, in my partnership and in myself as a woman. So, so I, I usually um, advise people to take those small steps because the cultural norms and the paradigms that we're living in are so strong that it's really scary and really hard for people to go right from you know, monogamy and to step right into relationship anarchy. Right, right. Yeah, and people are wired differently, too. Some people um, can go right into that because they never really fit into the model of primary partnership. Um, And just like you said, you felt like the heavens rained down on you when you learned that polyamory existed. Other people might feel that way when they learned that relationship anarchy exists. (laughs) So we have to honor kind of like how we're wired, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Okay, yeah. So, so the reason why I asked Rachel to be on my show was because she, uh, for our listeners, um, she posted what I considered a very beautiful, vulnerable video on Facebook. And um, at last count, it had 37,000 views, five, <laughs> over 550 likes, 140 comments. And that was just the original post. I know that it got shared multiple times. And in one place that it got shared on a sex-positive women's Facebook group, there were 87 more comments on that. (laughs) 
So uh, it became quite the viral video and quite controversial. So congratulations for, first of all, for, you know, putting yourself out there that way. Um, and, you know, I know it's not easy to, we don't always have such thick skin to get back those kinds of comments back. So first of all, congratulations just for putting yourself out there that way. Yes. Thank you. You never know which videos are going to pick up speed or be received in the way that they are. And I wish I knew ahead of time because I maybe would be more thoughtful about it. But one of the ways that I make videos is just from this very spontaneous, passionate place. I don't really pre-plan videos or or script them or structure them. So sometimes um, my speech can look very sloppy. <laughs> but but yeah, this one, you know, I, I really think that appreciated that. About yeah. yeah, sorry. I appreciated that exact thing about you because after I asked you to be on the show and I was learning about you and saw the name of your business was Embodied Intimacy, I went back and watched the video and I really saw how you were practicing that. You were being embodied and just sharing what was true in your body. So I, I saw that you were actually pre- mm-hmm. practicing what you preach. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for noticing that and for, for reflecting that back. It feels, it feels good. Yeah. So what Rachel's video was about, it was about what she perceives sometimes um, from other people and what she has experienced in the past in herself as a lack of sensitivity among women who are openly relating. Um, now, as we said earlier, everybody has different ways of doing open relationship, and she was just talking about her own experience and what she craves, um, and what she craves is when um, she's dating someone who is in another primary partnership, if she's dating a man and he has a primary partner, she likes to check in with the other woman, which we call the metamor. She likes to check in with the metamor and just acknowledge that, you know, hey, I'm being intimate with your partner, even if it's just flirting um, dating or all the way to a full sexual relationship to just honor that other woman who also is bonded with that man. And she likes it when other women do that for her too. If another woman is dating her primary partner, Rachel likes it when they check in and just acknowledge it. And a little goes a long way, just an acknowledgement, like, hey, I see you. You know, thank you for um, the freedom to, you know, for me to be with your partner. Any kind of, the words don't matter as much as the heart that's in it. So that's what I got from your video is that you, you love that and that it builds more love in the community overall and that we can all reach uh, greater heights of love than we can just on our own. And that's one of the things that you feel polyamory is about. So did I summarize that? Is there anything else you want to add about the video itself? No, I think you just summarized it like so beautifully. You you summarized it maybe better than I could. That was exactly the place that I was coming from, and I assume we'll we'll um, deconstruct it a little, a little bit more here because I'm I am aware that after you know seeing a lot of the comments and reflections that I'm also speaking from a, a specific place of where I'm coming from, and there might be people. Um, who who don't know me or who don't know my lifestyle to know um, what inspired some of that that passion. <laughs> right, and and you said in your video we are all pioneers. We are all figuring it out as we go along. So that's why I have this show, and that's why we're all talking about this because there is no one textbook 
trope in relationship. Every single person who practices it does it in their own unique way. So that being said, what I got, the essence of what I got from your video is what if we created a strong sisterhood so that Mm. we wanted to gift Mm. our sisters with our partners? Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I know I'll just be vulnerable myself, and I've experienced that in the past where if a woman was dating my primary partner, all I needed from her was to say, hey, I'll slow down if you want me to, or I won't date him mm-hmm. if that doesn't work for you. And if she was just even willing to say that or do that, I would have been more likely to say, no, it's okay, go ahead. Just, the, just knowing that you'd be willing to do that makes me want to gift you with, <laughs> with my partner. So <clears throat> call me insecure, but that's how I was in the past. Um, I just needed my sister to have my back and to kind of prioritize our relationship over the man. Um, you know, mm. yes, I'm a heterosexual woman primarily, and, you know, yes, I probably fit into that heteronormative box, and I apologize to those that don't, um, but I think that's why I resonated with your video so much because I mm. do feel like I can share my partner so much easier when I feel like the woman is my sister. Exactly. And you're not the only woman. There's at least like a thousand other women who've interacted with my video in some shape or form that, that wholeheartedly agree with, with what you've just shared and feel very much the same. Right. So mm-hmm. one of the comments that I just made were, were actually one of the criticisms that you got on the, the video, which was, this woman sounds really insecure. And there was kind of a lot of judgment about um, you're not – you know, I didn't say this, but, you know, we, we all yeah. feel insecurity and jealousy and we just learn to manage it and we are where we are. We can't force ourselves to be more evolved than we are. <laughs> it's just where we are. So um, so tell me how you would respond to that criticism of, of, like, that's really insecure that you need that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have this practice now, especially since I've been doing these videos, when someone, when someone says something like this, I really try to, to, to try it on and to like really see what there is that's here that's valuable for me to look at about myself and about maybe a shadow that someone's seeing that I'm not yet aware of. Um, and sure, I, yes, I'm guilty of having insecurities. <laughs> I am insecure around some particular women and um, and some not at all. And what I've found in, you know, there's a lot of varying different, different types of mm, women who interact with my partner and me. And one of the fastest ways for me to be insecure is for the, the other woman to be one single, two looking to be met in partnership, three interested in my partner and four not in any kind of communication with me. Like that is right. the cocktail that, 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 that breeds my insecurity. Um, and so I mm-hmm. know that. And so, so I either take the steps that I need to, to reach out and connect with that woman um, or, you know, or the second layer is my partner says to her, you know, he makes a connection between the two of us Um or, or in, in, in like, and this is the third piece, which is, which is where this video is inspired from, that it's actually so rare that the woman reaches out on her own to me and, and just says mm-hmm. anything, which is, which is what breeds more of that insecurity. And where the, the, the other thing that, is, that has kind of um, unfolded for me in this 
um, this um, this magnifying glass on sisterhood and sharing or relating with the same man. When I have women's circles, that I, when I do women's work, there are so many women who are terrified to come to a women's circle because of their childhood trauma from growing up with women who were mean and competitive. And this is, this mm-hmm. is something that inherently exists in our, in our sisterhood. And so I noticed that this carries over into the open relating um, territory where there is this, like, there is this, this shadow of competition and competing for men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by just reaching out and creating that connection, I noticed that that competition, that, like, that secrecy, that hot, that, that, like, there's this energy, like, it's that cheating energy that we've that we've been that we're so accustomed to that I find is still a, a kind of a fuel that's there where it's like mm, being in that secrecy and having my privacy for my relationship is more comfortable than communicating the uncomfortableness of what needs to be communicated to create a connection. Right. Beautiful. Well put, Rachel. And that's uh, that's really what I'm trying to get get through. That's really what I'm trying to shine a light on. Um, it's not, it, it can be my own insecurity and yeah, they do show up and yeah, I do have them, but it's also like, it's also something much deeper and darker that exists between women. And I think it also exists between men from, from, from what I've, the responses I've gotten back as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, so here's another criticism that you got and tell me, tell me what you would say to this. So where's the partner in all this? Isn't it his job to communicate relationship agreements, including expectations, hopes, and needs about communication to new partners? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so my partner does communicate that. Communicate that, um, And sometimes, even when he communicates it, the woman still doesn't reach out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and sometimes, um, you know, a, part of also the video what, – when I made the video, so my partner and I, like I said, we travel and we teach workshops and we go to retreats and festivals. So a lot of times when he goes on dates, he's meeting the women that he goes on dates with where we're all sharing the same physical space together. Mm-hmm. So it's a little, it's a, it, it, and that's probably not normal for many people at home who are practicing poly where their partner is like away from them and meet someone and then schedules a date and it's, it's, it's separate. But for me, my partner mm-hmm. and I spend a lot of time together. And so when mm-hmm. he goes on physical dates with people, a lot of times, there's, there is many times where I'm sharing the same space as them. And one of the, like, one of the threads of passion that this video was inspired by was that I could be sharing a space with a woman who was negotiating dating my partner and her and I were sharing space. And yet we have never even had a conversation. And that felt mm-hmm. really off. To, that felt really off to me. So sometimes it's that my partner also hasn't even had a chance to to communicate to her because the timing hasn't isn't always right. You know, he usually communicates um, once he's already on the date with the woman, or or when the date's coming over. Like, hey, it's been really great being with you, and I know my partner Rachel would really love to connect with you or to just to have some kind of connection and he, and he does communicate that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Beautiful. Yeah. Um, And that's a good segue into another criticism that sometimes it's just not practical or wanted 
to connect with the metamore. Um, and this person who's writing is, it sounds like they have only ever been a secondary in open relationships. They've never had a primary. So they talk about the concept of couples privilege and I can relate to that personally because I was in a five-year relationship with someone who was married and poly, and I didn't really consider myself a secondary for much of the relationship. I was just a different kind of partner. He had a nesting partner, and I was another kind of partner. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, di- I did feel like I had less power so that when his relationship with his wife got closer again toward the end of the relationship, I didn't have much of a say in how much connection I got to have with her. I had to sort of take it or leave it. And I left it because mm-hmm. it wasn't enough connection for me. So um, mm-hmm. so how would you respond to somebody who talks about, quote, couples privilege, and how would people who are secondaries get this need met that you're talking about of sisterhood? Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's let's go with the, the the first part, which is the couples. I I also can very much relate to this. I also couple for or well, I did date. It's it's a hard it's a hard it's a hard line. I shared a bed with a married couple for two years, where I mostly had the romantic connection with the man and the sexual connection with the man, but I had a very deep emotional connection with the, with the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talk about, I talk about them, um, Michael and Kamala Devi and, and they had a, you know, a, a, at the time a 12 year marriage. So there was, there was a, definitely a couple's privilege and they have a son together and a house. So there was definitely a couple's privilege. And, and I think that that does exist. And I think that that's totally normal. And I, I, I mean, I think as a secondary, I knew what I was getting myself into. And when I entered into the relationship, provide me. And I think one of the things that does happen over time, especially when I became more and more intimate and more and more bonded and attached in the relationship was I did want more. And, um, you know, with, with Polly, when you're dating a couple, you're entering an ecosystem and, Rachel, I'm sorry to interrupt Understood. you, but you're kind of cut, you're cutting in and out a little bit. I don't know if there's a better place you can move to. Oh no! How about now? Okay, that's fine. I'll let you know if you cut out again. Go ahead. You hear me? Uh, no, you cut out again there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm very. Mm. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Try try talking again now. I still can't hear you. Oh no. Okay, I can hear you now. You can hear me now. Yes. Yeah, I'm afraid it's cutting in and out. Hello? Okay, now that's good. That's good. Okay, so it's it's stable now? Yes. Much better. Okay, Thank great. You. I apo- I apologize. Um uh, so 
Mm. Um, I'm just trying to to pick up where I left off. So, mm, yes. So a cup when you're entering when you're a when you're a um, when you're in entering a poly relationship as a as someone who's dating a couple. For me, um, unless everyone is agreeing and and you're moving more towards that paradigm of relationship anarchy, the previously existing relationships, and this can also be called hierarchy, um, are an existing ecosystem. And what, what, what feels best in my heart is that that existing ecosystem is honored um, and that if anything is happening in the secondary relationships or third or lovers relationships, that, that they're mm, honoring the existing ecosystem. So you can't put a new plant in an ecosystem if it's going to kill the entire ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So I, I do understand that there is couples privilege. And for me, that's just part of the game. Um, until, you know, but that's part of the game for me and the game I'm playing with my particular partner at this point in time. I can see that if we're together more, many more years and we continue our evolution and growth in this type of relating, that we'll get to a place that's more anarchy and there's more freedom and there's more space to invite new, new people in where we have an established connection and where they're growing with us. Mm-hmm. But when there's right. an existing relationship that's multiple years old that has a history, um, it makes sense to me that that has some level of privilege, especially depending on like my partner and I have a business together or if we had a child together. You know, those those things that um, they there's more invested in that relationship. So it makes sense to me that there's there's a, more privilege for mm-hmm. for better or worse. That's how it occurs to me right now. And I know there's right. probably very many people who are very angry that I'm saying that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel you're acknowledging what is. And like you said, and, until we get to the point where we're all relationship anarchists, we have to acknowledge where we are in our journey. Um, and it just takes, you know, being in our heart and having the lines of communication open. Exactly. Beautiful. And Rachel, I really appreciate you sharing so honestly, especially at the beginning of your video about your relationship with Kamala Devi and Michael. Um, I watched that show and I wondered what happened afterwards. (laughs) I have to be honest. I was kind of like, oh, that's so cool that she's talking about it in her video. So I'm I'm glad to hear that you have had some healing about it. So um, for those of you that don't know, she bared her soul on a Showtime series um, where she joined into a relationship with a pre-existing married couple, and um, the whole world got to watch, and then I guess it ended. So maybe you can share with us what you would have done differently now that you've had this time to reflect on it. Oh yeah, gosh, I would do. I would have done. I would do so many things differently. I say I, I was actually just with um, Michael and Kamala Devi. I my partner and I our home base is in Sweden. Um, and there's the like the world's largest Tantra festival every summer is there. And Michael and Kamala Devi came um, this summer. And so we spent we spent a, um, a week with them in Sweden just a few weeks ago. And um, our relationship has gone through so many layers um, of healing over the last three years. Um, mm-hmm. 
we um oy vey, uh we had a really <laughs> difficult <laughs> we had a really difficult breakup um you know um um i think that and i think that the element of sisterhood that i'm talking about in this this message is very much part of that i had never I had never um, had a primary partnership that I shared to the extent to which I'm, I'm, you know, sharing. I guess I, I'll, I'll say that word, although it's really hard for me to say it now since I've had so much um, backlash from it. I'm trying to think of a new word, and if anyone has one, I, I'm super open to it. But um, mm-hmm. when I was open to, for, for my partner, the way that Kamala Devi had um, – shared I'll say Michael with me and so I I didn't actually I just didn't have any awareness at that time of how what it was like for her and through a, a, a phase of really struggling um and and her and Michael's relationship went into a wobble and Michael and I's relationship was was really intensifying, and we were falling deeper and deeper in love very fast, way faster than the ecosystem, so to speak, could handle it. And mm-hmm. um, and Michael and I were just kind of we were high on love drugs, and um, we were insensitive, and we weren't able to slow slow down in a way that um, relaxed. Kamala Devi's nervous system enough and and she was like she was super activated by us and it just got to the place where she had I think also overstepped a lot of her own personal boundaries because because Michael as as she says was that one of the happiest she's ever seen him when he and I were together Mm. partner and I think that's a very common thing that happens for us we we're open in this way because we want our partner's happiness so much um, and sometimes we want it more than we want our own happiness, and we kind of cross our own personal boundaries um, for for our for our partner to have the life that they desire. And so it got to the place where her and Michael's relationship and their their family their their was was on a was at a breaking point. And so um, when it got to that breaking point, Kamala Devi basically said that I had to move out. And that Michael and I couldn't, um, and that was the way that it ended. And I, I went through the dark night of my soul at that time because I had really um, invested my entire life in the community in San Diego and in our what, what's called like a super pod or a pod of, of family that was living and um, relating together. And so when when I couldn't when I wasn't included anymore in that um, in that I it was um, yeah like I said the dark night of my soul I I went down pretty pretty hard um, and went through a total mm. life re reassessment. <laughs> mm, well, that must have been really painful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, yeah, it was it was extremely extremely. Um, painful and hard and and I uh you know I I think I swore off polyamory for a little while after that (laughs) (laughs) right right. I can see that um if if you're just joining us you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio this is your host Sumati Sparks the open relationship coach at sumatisparks.com we're speaking with Rachel Ricards Ricards or Ricards am I pronouncing that right uh you can say yeah um I say Rickards (laughs) 
but Ricard's is Rickards. probably right. Okay. It's French. Yeah. <laughs> Rickards. Okay, great. <laughs> and Rachel's sharing so vulnerably, vulnerably with us about um, some of her past mistakes in polyamory. <laughs> um, and we're talking about a viral video that she posted on Facebook. Um, and one of the things that you brought up was the topic of, quote, sharing my partner. And that was yeah. one of the controversies in, in your video. And I actually commented on that as well because I feel like, you know, if sharing my partner puts a bad taste in people's mouth, what new phrase can we use that reflects that feeling that occurs when I bond with someone sexually, emotionally, spiritually, in every way, and they feel like my sweetie? Um, I introduce my lovers as my sweeties, and, and so I know that sounds really possessive, but there is a feeling in my body that I've bonded with this person. There's a piece of my heart that I've shared with them, and and he's shared with me. And so how do we convey that, um, the reality of how that feels, um, without making it sound like we own people or it's, it's you know, my job to tell you when you can be with someone else? Um, have you had any further thoughts about that? Yeah, actually, my partner and I were talking about it. You know, we... Um, we were we were under the impression that it was the word that it wasn't as much the word sharing as it was the word my like like that this mm. this person is mine and so when we were speaking about it and I was like you know what what do what phrase or word do I use because it, when I say it it doesn't feel possessive to me you know I don't feel like I like in no way what was projected on me in that video do I. None of that really feels true for me. So, so there's obviously a man. Whoops, but, you're um, cutting in and out again, we, hon. Oh no, um, I should be okay. fine. Um, okay, go is, ahead. Is it okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that it was. So, so what we boiled it down to was that it might be more accurate for me to say um, to share our love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. instead of share my partner to share our love because because he and me are a we there is a we there is a third element here that is the the relationship and and that is what is open um or free to to be shared or for others to be invited in he doesn't in in this way we don't exist separately we're when someone is with me they're with him as well um, so, so what felt better for us as we were kind of trying to deconstruct this was to say that we were sharing our love and that made it maybe feel less possessive. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, I guess I, I, it doesn't resonate with me. So it's hard for me because I, when I, when I try to start deconstructing it, I feel like I'm being defensive and I don't mm-hmm. at the same time feel I have anything to be de- defensive about. <laughs> right. I feel that, yeah. Cool, thank you. So, yeah, we'll have to just be open. I know that um, non-monogamous people have invented a lot of words over the years, such as compersion and so forth. So we'll just have to come up with a new word that conveys that feeling without it sounding possessive. So we'll be open to the universe for a download (laughs) for a new word. (laughs) Yes, I'm 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 very open to it and and like I said I I 
I I just have sadness that that was the that that when people watched my 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 video that that was the 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 taste that they were left with of this of this mm-hmm. possessiveness because mm-hmm. I I don't know for me it was it was it's 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 a very interesting d- dilemma in the in in calling someone who's uh, in an open relationship possessive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, exactly, right. There's got to be so, some degree of lack of possession to even be doing that in the first place. Exactly, exactly. Okay, well, exactly. here's another yeah. comment. So here's another comment. I've been in too many situations where I'm expected to have a relationship with the metamor. But my own wants and needs are ignored. The choice was made for me before I was even in their lives, and I was expected to just fall into step with it. So this person Great. is feeling like they don't want to be forced to connect with the metamor. Right. So, so what this, would you say this, to that? This, yeah. Um, so I want to. I don't know if you've you've dropped on your show previously, but there's a book called More Than Two that I just love, mm-hmm. and I can't stop. Uh, reading it again and that that book is very much written from the relationship anarchy perspective and Mm -hmm. there's um, a beautiful distinction they make between rules and agreements where um, Mm -hmm. rules and relationships are something that's made that um, is kind of a, a, a rule that's set in place where not everyone has agreed to it and the distinction between that and an agreement is that each person who's involved in the relationship has agreed to to this way of being together so if a couple has some kind of an agreement when a new person is added into that relationship that person is included then and they get to um, have their say if that agreement works for them or if they have a um, a, 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 um, a change they'd like to make and that's what creates a, the distinction between a rule and an agreement so um, so for this I'd say Again, it's like it's so easy for me with with all of these questions that um, we're all just different in the way that we like to be related with and treated. And it's about finding the people who match your style. You know, it's about like my my dear friend and lover and teacher, Reed Mahalko says, date your species, like date the people Mm -hmm. who want to relate and be related with the way that fits the shape of your heart. And for me, that's really Mm -hmm. simple. Like that, that's what it comes down to. And just communicating all the expectations and if there are agreements or rules ahead of time, and then there's choice if that works for you or if that doesn't. And it feels, it feels very simple to me in that way. The, The hard part is, when you don't know what you want or what your boundaries are, what feels good for you, then it gets really foggy and unclear. But as long as you have a, a, you know, um, you're aware of your sense of self and, and what will work for you in relationship and what, what's a yes and what's a no. um, It it, it feels, uh, I love that people have rules and agreements and things that they know works for them. Like, thank you for showing me how to love you better. Mhm. Yeah. Thank you. And so, so another comment someone made, and this, your answer may be the same for this as for the last one. Um, this is a little harsh, <laughs> I think. Um, <laughs> this person says, having more love circulating back and experiencing superior levels of love in quotes, maybe what she's in poly for, but I think it's nonsense, and I can't help her with that. 
and they're talking mm-hmm. about having to buy into your wor- world view. Um, it's not my job to give her superior levels of love, even if I'm dating her partner. Um, she thought it was a manipulating a manipulation. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I guess she's just not someone who you know who <laughs> who who there would be much compatibility with between her and I. And yet, right. I have, like for me, there's so much space for other people's. Um, ways of relating. I feel a lot of space in my heart for for someone who doesn't agree with me, and for someone who's more in an in an anarchy paradigm, or in a paradigm where they don't want communication or connection between metamors and lovers. Like that, that mm-hmm. feels great for me. I'm not um, challenging that, but I'm simply saying this is how I relate with others, and and I relate with others in this way because it feels good to me. To, to both give and receive this type of connection. Um, and so this is another one of those things that, that uh, more than two breaks down really well, which is like what kind of, what kind of like poly um, constellation do, do you want? What fits, what fits the shape of your heart? Um, do you want to be closely connected or not? To, to lovers and there's sometimes where my partner goes on a date with someone and that person doesn't want a connection with me or, or I don't want a connection with that person or it's just not natural and it never happens and that's fine there's no um, there's nothing in me that says that that's trying to control that from not happening I'm just simply saying it feels really fucking good when it does happen when they're when Thank it does you. Exactly. circulate right. back through, <laughs> it right, changes right. everything. It changes everything for me. It makes it a really beautiful um, opening experience, um, and that's what I want. And maybe in ten years, I'm not going to want that. Maybe my partner mm-hmm. and I, if we're if you know we're still together, then maybe he does have more relationships where there is no connection between, between me and the other women. But even when, you know, it's funny, I, when I was just at Burning Man, I spoke to a woman who's in a long-term relationship and she saw my video and she and her partner are doing a very high level of, of poly. And she even said the same thing to me. Your video was spot on, especially when I'm sharing space with another woman and she's either just, you know, slept with my husband or getting ready to go on a date with him. If she just acknowledges me, it really changes everything for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, right. that's the context that I want people to have in with my video is that like the, the primary piece that I was also speaking into is that I'm most, I'm sharing space with a lot of these women who are dating my partner where we're at the mm-hmm. same retreat or festival or we're in the same time and place. They're not like going off on a date. Like that's maybe, you know, 25% of the time, um, which is fine. But, but the, the, the passion is like, I can't imagine myself being in a shared space with a couple and going on a date with, with either of them and not at least acknowledging the partner. Like that just doesn't feel in, that just doesn't feel good to me. Yeah. That makes a big difference. What you're talking about, you know, being in a festival or in a workshop with one of your partner's other sweeties um, and they're right there in your face. So if you don't have that yeah. connection, see how it would be a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have my primary partner has several other sweeties, and there's one sweetie that when he first started seeing her, um, I just couldn't make the connection with her that I 
wanted to make. It just kept falling flat. And he wasn't interested in not seeing her. And I went to a women's circle and I heard a woman say that when she was in a similar situation, she realized it's not her job to determine what her partner's spiritual path is. You know, he may need to get to know this woman or become intimate with this woman for his own spiritual growth, and it's none of my business to determine that. So that, when I heard that, I was able to step back and just let him have that relationship. But what I did is I said, on, just on this relationship only, I'm going to request a don't ask, don't tell, because I keep getting so triggered, and I want to just go mm. and heal on my own and not bring you into my trigger. I want to deal with it on my mm. own with my friends and my support, and you go have your relationship with her. So I did just a case-by-case only basis where just that one woman is a don't ask, don't tell, whereas everyone else is like poly family to me. So um, what would you say to people who, when a woman has tried to connect with their metamor and they can't, they just don't like each other or whatever, um, what would you say to somebody in that situation? I think I think what you did is beautiful and and you tried something new and you could have gotten to I think that was a beautiful example and and this is this is the part this is the pioneering part this is the part where there is no right or wrong there is no cookie cutter all we can do is keep trying something new um and and being and taking a risk you know, and, and then cleaning up if that, if, if that risk didn't feel good, you know, there's, I've had to do that now a lot where, where I take a bigger risk and I take a bigger step and I, and then I'm, then I'm ready for, and I know that because of, you know, the, the, the amount of pain that I can be in after I make a decision or take a risk like that and how it feels after. And I have to say, you know, I thought I was ready for this and I'm actually not and I need to take a few steps back and it doesn't mean that it's a no it just means it's a there's a few more steps between me and getting between me and getting there um and so I love I love um what what would you even call that like a micro um or a very unique set of um different uh, relationship um, agreements around different types uh-huh. of partner where there is or isn't connection. Um, and I think it's hard, you know, we're all trying to, to be authentic and to be in integrity. And it's hard when there's so many layers. I know my partner has some, some, some um, sweeties or lovers where I really want a connection and, and sometimes I've tried a little too hard for there to be a connection and there really authentically isn't one. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, and that's sad for me because I think I, I'm like you am more into the poly family paradigm. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's then my, you know, opportunity to do that work to to do the work that I need to do to face whatever challenges are coming up for me so that he can continue to relate and open his heart the way that feels good for him and, and mm-hmm. it's work, you know? Right. Well, yeah, we all crash and burn. And I think part of being successful in open relationship is to be able to manage the crashes and burns that inevitably happen. <laughs> it, it inevitably is the key word. Um, okay so I think this might be the last question about the video that I want to ask Um, have you thought about the criticisms this is I don't know if this is just big in the Bay Area right now in the sex positive community but there's often criticisms about 
oh, that's so heteronormative. <laughs> so yeah. um, we, have to, we have to address that issue of like being sensitive to queer people, gender fluid people who don't fit into the the rigid gender roles of male and female. Um, have you thought about that criticism that you got? Um, yeah. So the I only got it in one place, which was on this um, private group that you that you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, for me, it is a very big um, conversation topic, especially in the Bay Area. I noticed mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. conversation topic is almost exclusively brought up in the Bay. And mm-hmm. my job when that comes up, for me, feels like to just shut up and listen because mm-hmm. because I don't understand yet fully. Mm-hmm. Um, and And yes, like that is more or less probably the paradigm I'm coming from. And I, and I would love to, to be more conscious about the way that I speak and to be more inclusive. And I think I'm just at the beginning of that journey. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, um, and, and there's a lot of people out there who are probably feeling very similar to me. There's, so it, the like I said at the beginning, when I make these videos, they're very sloppy a lot of times. I'm not really, you know, it's coming from that place. It's coming from a very instinctual, animalistic place in me. Like I think there was even like some trigger in my belly when I recorded that vi- particular video. So a lot of my more like higher level vocabulary and thinking just completely goes out of the window when I'm in that place um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's that's one of the the pitfalls of the way that I film these passionate sloppy videos um, and I would love if if I was able to continuously weave and weave more inclusive um, vocabulary into into all types of, of speech and I can definitely always use more education because because it's not um, something that um, is super alive for me or in the circles that I'm mostly mm, find myself in and I'm open right. to it. You know, I, yeah. And you have to be yourself, you know, as a teacher, an educator and a coach, you have to be yourself um, to attract the people that connect with who you are um, as opposed to, you know, being so politically correct that you lose who you are because you're being so sensitive about, how it might land on other yeah. people. So I like yes, your authenticity exactly. in your video. I don't think there's, I, I mean, you said pitfall and maybe that's true, but I think that the authenticity in your video was really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I'm, and I, and I just want every, anyone or everyone to know who has that um, reflection for me, like, please like, educate me please like let me know how I can speak that would be more inclusive I'm very I'm very open and obviously this is the this is the stage and level that I'm operating at and coming from and and I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that I'm right but I'm just saying that this is who I am right good for you that's honest and you know controversy can be good for publicity (laughs) (laughs) it almost always is actually (laughs) I just got I yeah. just got a controversial statement on my show and I was kind of excited about it. Somebody was um <laughs> talking about the name of my show Leading Edge Love that it somehow implies that 
monogamous people are not leading edge, that, that they're less evolved. And so um, oh. that, that was an interesting topic. I'll have to bring that up in another, another episode. <laughs> well, um, that's really funny because I usually say the opposite. I usually say that uh, very successfully monogamous people are more evolved because of, because of how, um, <laughs> how away from our um, primal norm or urges that that is. Yeah, if somebody can still be in a loving relationship where people speak lovingly to each other most of the time and still desire sexual connection or some kind of intimate, passionate connection, who have been in relationship for decades, more power to them. I don't know how you do that, but <laughs> please teach me. Yes. For me that's so, that's evolution yeah. for me. They're they exactly. are they are they are very much evolved, so but that's it's, it's right. beautiful. I love. I learn so much from from those couples who've been together for thirty years and still have that passion. I I deeply respect and admire that what they've done exactly. to get there. Mm-hmm. So before we run out of time, um, I want to ask you about your work. Um, so what what happens in embodied intimacy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks. Well, embodied intimacy is very much um, was was originally founded by my partner, and and he is a somatic psychotherapist. So a lot of his work is on the embodiment, and then um, and then a lot of and and that has become also a lot of our work. And our other biggest passion is on intimacy um, and cultivating intimacy with by like going from the paradigm of, of, you know, in, in a lot of these workshops and retreats, you're always having to do something. And for us, intimacy is simply being together in the truth, in whatever's real in this moment. Um, and so mm-hmm. we have a variety of workshops and retreats, and, and we do things at festivals that all are focused around um, some form of getting embodied, and once embodied, then finding the intimacy that exists in this moment between these two particular people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, um, at the beginning when we started this business, there, there wasn't really anything about open relating that it was involved in, involved in it. Um, that's always just been kind of a side passion that was more personal. And mm-hmm. um, as I more and more started speaking up and speaking out about my journey, um, we realized mm, what a need there was and still what, what needs there are, as I'm sure you've realized, for someone to be talking about this. And in talking about it, we've also realized how applicable um, the, mm, the things that work for people open relating are pretty universal. Mm-hmm. And you still right. have passion and juice for each other. They also have a lot to teach us. So we're really like about intimacy and relating across the spectrum and just including everyone. Exactly. Great. Well, Rachel, I've really enjoyed having you on the show. You're very articulate and um, you really know your, know your stuff. So thank you for uh, giving us this time. Um, Before we go, I want to to give people a chance to find you. Um, Please tell our listeners how they can, reach you and I believe you also have a uh, some kind of uh, gift or offer for our listeners
Are you there? Oops, I lost you, Rachel. No. no okay, you I can hear me. You Hello. Now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, uh, go great. ahead. How does that happen? I don't know. My personal no, you're cutting out again. Page with my... Okay. Okay, start How about over. Now? Start over. You're, yeah, okay. you're good now. Go ahead, start over. Okay. So you can find me on my personal page at Rachel Rickards or my partner and I's business where we post these videos and all of our events and retreats is um, at Embodied Intimacy. Um, and that's just okay. facebook.com backslash Embodied Intimacy. Um, and I'm happy Perfect. to do um, a special offer. I'm I'm um, I'm co-producing a festival in the Bay Area happening next weekend called Soul Play, uh, where there's mm-hmm. a lot of community members who are practicing this kind of relating or doing very high-level intimacy and communication work. Um, and um, if someone is interested in coming to that. Um, we can um, happily give them like a 20% off discount if they type in. Um, I think we'll use the code of your of your podcast, which is what is it? L- Leading Edge Love. Leading Edge Love. Yes. Um, right. Or I'm also happy to do um, to do any consultations for free if there's someone who resonates and who needs support. I'm I'm always happy to have a supportive conversation to see if we're fit to work together. Great. So Rachel, can you clarify how, uh, where would people put the code Leading Edge Love to get that discount? And the discount is for the weekend retreat. The this um, it's going to be for Soul Play Festival. Uh-huh. And so fest. the discount is to um, the, so for the registration for the festival. That's correct. Okay, and where would they correct. put and that? There'll be code? a discount. There'll be a discount code box on the ticket purchase page, and they can put the code in there. And and the where the where where would they find the registration for Soul Play? Went to embodied intimacy. If you go into Embodied Intimacy and click on events on Facebook, it'll be the first event right at the top. Perfect. Okay, got it. So we go to Facebook. We look for the Embodied Intimacy page on Facebook, and there they'll find the link for the Soul Play Festival, and there will be an obvious place to put a discount code in there, and you type in Leading Edge Love, and you get a 20% discount on the registration for the festival. That's very generous. Thank you so much. Exactly. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, we're about out of time. I want to thank you again for your time, Rachel, and I wish you the best of luck with all of your work. Thank you so much. It's really been um, really fun to have this conversation with you. I love I love these conversations, and I could kind of geek out on this forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rachel, take care. We'll see you later. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.